0: This message is not for those who believe that Christianity means that you're always on top of a mountain. I love mountains, got to be honest with you. I know they exist. Mountaintop experiences are amazing. Come on, go to the mountain of God. Hallelujah. He'll be there. He'll meet you there. I love the stories of Mount Horeb and Moses and Elijah. Elijah in the cave, and I love the story of Moses uh, and Mount Sinai and Elijah and Mount Carmel as he prayed, and Jesus went high in the mountain, the mountain of uh, transformation. I mean, just absolute transfiguration, actually. I mean, the whole crew met there. I mean, it was Elijah showed up, and Moses showed up, and Peter, and James, and John. I mean, it was Phenomenal. But i got to be honest with you, like I shared last week, as much as I love mountains, you can't live on top of a mountain. You can't live constantly as a Jesus follower on top of mountain peaks. Even as I was preaching last week, Bobby told me that Steve Furtick said something. He said, the trip to the top of the mountain often goes through valleys. You see, on top of a mountain, there's very, very few roots. There's not a lot of growth going, or very slow growth, or there's not fruit on top of the mountain. You find that in the valleys. The the vines are not budding on top of the mountain. We must learn to follow Jesus where we spend most of our time in the valleys. Most believers spend most of their time doing life in the valleys the valleys. I want to talk to you about doing life in the valleys and a couple valleys I think that you're going to go through in your Christian walk. We have been absolutely sharing about varsity camp that's coming up. I can prophesy with my eyes open that that youth camp is going to be a mountaintop experience. How do you know, J.O.? Because it always is. When you get young people in the presence of God, worshiping Jesus, all Facebook gone and all that stuff gone, I mean, they're just focusing, number one, on Jesus. Guess who shows up? Jesus. Holy Ghost falls. I mean, it's an amazing mountain. Every parent here, no matter, you should get your young people there. But you know what? Those young people can't live on top of that mountain. They've got to make that transition from the mountain down back into school and back into the valley and being with parents and all that wonderful stuff. You've got to know how to do life in the valley. It, in January, the sound, man, God's speaking and we bring prophets in, prophetesses in, and so forth and so on. I mean, we experience God in a mountaintop experience, but I want to let you know, we don't live there. You don't live on top of the mountains, valleys, tell your neighbor right now, valleys happen. You know, when the fires begins to go dim in your belly, and all of the sudden, it's like your face with your Goliath and your weaknesses. Where's it happening? Where's it taking place at? It's taking place down in the valleys. I want to encourage you, church, Feel me on this, is that we're not at home. You may have a house. And yeah, I understand it's your home right now, but we're really not at home. This is not our home. We're on a journey. You and I are on a pilgrimage. We're leaving this earth and we're going, where's our home, church? Oh, more than two or three people coming. You got to know this. Where's our home? Heaven. heaven. We're headed to heaven. But I want to let you know on the way to heaven, there's a lot of valleys. There's mountains, there's plains, there's storms, there's, there's sunny days, there's seas, and there's wilderness times. There's all kinds of seasons and all kinds of terrains that we walk through in order to get to our home. Don't get so comfortable and be a control freak and saying, well, you know, this is, hey, earth is not it, we're on our way. To home, and while you're on your way, you're gonna go through some mountaintops and through some valleys. I wanna talk to you about a very authentic, transparent man of faith in the Bible, just for a minute. He saw amazing miracles. He preached the gospel to those who had never heard the gospel. Did he have a mountaintop experience? You better believe it, this guy had a serious mountaintop experience. He went into the third heaven. He wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books. That's not including Hebrew, which I think he wrote. 31.57% of the New Testament he wrote. I mean, it's something to write one book of the Bible. He wrote 13. And he knew what it was like to have heaven, mountaintop experiences, and valleys. I want to read a, a passage that he wrote that really kind of shows you some of the valleys that he passed through on his way to home. It says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 through 27, it says, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once, I was stoned. That's not weed. (laughs) That's stones. Washingtonians, come on, somebody. Don't get mad at me. (laughs) You don't have to be in Washington, man. You'd be in Idaho or wherever, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at a sea. (laughs) Wow. I traveled on many long journeys, and I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I faced dangers in the cities, And in the deserts and on the seas, I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. The guy who wrote that is Apostle Paul. Does that not share with you that this Apostle Paul, he knew about valleys, and having experienced the third heaven, he knew about mountains. And he knew that the journey was not always peachy. You can just read what he went through personally. We love this one scripture, Philippians 4.13. How many of you know that just from off the bat, Philippians 4.13? We love that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Amen. But hit the brakes for a minute and back up one verse. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And now the scripture I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul knew, listen, about valleys. <laughs> and plains, and seasons, and mountains. I want to let you know today that God is the God of the mountains. He's the God of the plains. He's the God of the valleys. And he's the God of every season of your life. There was a king in 1 Kings 20, 23 through 27. The king's name, he was king of Syria, and his name was Ben-Hadad. And he attacked Israel and <laughs> he, got his key, he got his teeth kicked in. I mean, they did a major slaughter. You don't do a few things in life. You don't spit in the wind, take the mask of the long ranger. You don't mess with God's people, amen? It ain't that all Israel's all that. It's just they are all that. They're God's people, but when you got God on your side, I don't care how big or how little you are. You, you, you got the majority. You feeling me? And so, King Ben Hadad, he attacks them and loses, but he thinks he loses because he says this Oh, their God is the God of the hills, of the mountains. And I think he started planning a strategy inside of his heart like, hey, hey, you know what? Next time we're going to attack him down in the plain or down in the valley. And a prophet came to the king and he said, hey, it's going to, hey, he warned him, he's going to attack you again in the spring. And he's thinking in his mind, hey, we lost because their king is the king of the hills. But how many of you know that our God is more than just the king of the hills? He's not a little G God. He's the big G God, the creator, the maker of all heavens and earth, hills, valleys, you name it. Come on, that's who he is. And look what it says in 1 Kings twenty twenty eight. Then a man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and said, thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, (laughs) but he is not the God of the valleys. Uh Uh-oh. Therefore, I will deliver all these great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. You see... He fights for you in the valleys. He fights for you in the hills. He fights for you in the mountains. It doesn't matter. He's the God of all that. And it doesn't, listen, the Bible says we go from glory to glory. Oh, yeah, yeah, on top of the mountain, we're like, yeah, glory, yeah, glory. But you know what? God can take you from glory to glory in the valley. You're probably growing a lot more in the valley than ever on that hill. And he's going to take you from glory to glory to glory to glory no matter where you are because he's with you, and he's going to be with you, and he's going to lead you. Some valleys are extremely beautiful, and they're flourishing and grassy. If you ever hunted or hiked, you run into these beautiful valleys, spring water, and all this Oh, I mean, valleys can be absolutely beautiful, trees and fruit and so forth. And you can break that on into this, the Bible says first the natural, then the spirit. So you could break that over into man, fresh manna, a real fresh experience of the Holy Spirit. God's speaking to you, and you just feel its closeness, just a, a grace and so forth and so on. You, could, you just know he's closer than your breath and so forth. And sometimes valleys are valleys of victory. If you remember David, all of a sudden, there's the Israelites on one side of the mountain, and there's the Philistines on the other side of the mountain, and jungle breath, Goliath. how many of you remember jungle breath, Goliath? He comes out and intimidates the army of Israel and absolutely paralyzes them in fear. He comes out 40 days threatening and manipulating the king. And David shows up, little ruddy, cool dude, you know, maybe 15 years old. And he's like, hey, is there not a cause? He's blowing everyone away. I mean, Eliab's all tripping up on him. And the king is like, you can't do this. And he's like, man, let me at him. I did it to the bear, and I did it to the lion. Who's this jungle-breath Goliath? And he goes out, and what? They have a great victory in the valley. He's the God of the valleys and mountains. If you remember Moses, her, Aaron, Moses was on top of the mountain, on top of the hill, as long as he got his hands up, what's happening down in the valley. Great victory. Joshua wins as long as he up on that. My point is that God is the God of the mountains and the valleys. He's the God of all seasons of your life. In the valleys, you're like, oh, my goodness, God has left me. Oh, my, I don't know my head from my toes. He's right there taking you from glory to glory. And I want today to talk to you about two valleys. See, sometimes you can be in a valley. Sometimes valleys are dark. Sometimes they're stony. Sometimes they're tough. Sometimes they are deep and you feel like, man, I'm never going to make it out of this valley. It's like going to the doctor. The man who went to the doctor and he walks into the doctor's office and the doctor says, I got some bad news and I got worse news. He's like, well, let me have it. He says, Well, the bad news is that you're going to die in 24 hours. He says, What could be worse than that? Doctor says, I forgot to tell you yesterday. <laughs> you kind of feel like that in a valley. Now, you know, I'm a man of faith and I believe by his stripes we're healed. That's a joke. Come on, tell your neighbor right now, that's a joke. And you laughed, actually. Hallelujah. The Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but comes in the morning. I want to talk to you about two valleys today that I think every believer, you, say me. Me. Come on, come on, say it again, "Me." me. You're going to face, you're going to walk through, and I'm going to encourage you to walk through. The first valley I want to talk to you about today is the valley of attention. Valley of attention. Where do you find that in the Bible, J.O.? The valley of attention, right here. Right here. God sometimes, I'm not saying God put you in the valley, but I will say this. We find ourselves in a valley at times because God wants to get your stinking attention. You just said that in church? Yeah. Let me let me quote it again. He wants to get your stinking attention. I don't know how to be more clear or politically correct with that right there. He wants your attention. All of a sudden, your Jesus following is just on cruise control. It's just like, ah, oh, just a follower of Jesus, just cruise control. Maybe your prayers is just repetitive and traditional and religious and there's no life in your prayers anymore maybe it's because you've been in this valley and you feel like god where are you you are delayed man i've been asking you for a long time about this circumstance and you are delayed i need a god who is the god of microwaves come on help me out god and just like they did when moses was on the mountain for 40 days They went to Aaron and says, ah, ah, we don't know where this Moses is. Ah, we're delayed. We need a God. Make us a God. And they take Aaron. I don't, Aaron lost his brains, just lost his mind, took gold earrings and made a golden calf. God tells Moses on top of the mountain, get down there. Starts going down. They hear the music and people dancing and singing. Ain't nothing wrong with dancing and singing unless you're dancing and singing around a golden calf. Comes down to the foot of the mountain, <laughs> not good. Why? Because Moses. they thought Moses was delayed and all of a sudden we put God on our time schedule and then you got to start doing other things and figuring out other answers. I want to tell you who the answer is, who was, and who is, and who will always be the answer is the J to the E to the S-U-S. His name is Jesus. Don't be going making those stinking golden calf. Right. Oh, J.O., we would never make a golden calf. I, I, I get that. We're not barbaric. But what would you make? What would you look to instead of Jesus? Don't do it in the valley of attention. Come on. Sometimes, man, our word life has become, it's not a relational love affair with your Bible any longer. It just becomes dry. And maybe you've even, I got to watch this. Sometimes I've done this, and I got to be honest with you. I confess, sometimes I take my eyes off of Jesus and I try to put it on a man or put it on a woman. I can tell you the, the prescription if you put your eyes on a man or a woman instead of Jesus. I can tell you what will happen every time you will be let down. How many times? 100%. 100%. Going to let you down. Why? Because every man and woman, they're sinners and they fall short of the glory of God. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus all of a sudden. How many of you have ever heard me say this before? Come to heart of the city church and get offended. If you've heard that, raise your hand and keep your hand up. For all those that don't have their hand up, now you hear me. (laughs) Come to heart of the city church and get offended. Right? How do you know that, Jay? I can prophesy with my eyes open it's going to happen. Why? Because we're family. And in every family, there's offenses. And all of a sudden, it's real cute right now. And people are like, yeah, yeah, that's so cute. Come on, let church get offended. Until it happens to you. And when it happens to you, it's like, oh, it's not good now. (laughs) This ain't good. And I told you. I prophesied it. You're going to get offended. Okay? So... Offenses always create pain and hurt and sometimes anger. And I want to let you know very clearly that pain will lead you down two paths. One, it can lead you down the right path and you responding the right way, the godly Jesus way, biblical way. When you respond the right way, pain, it will make you better right? No, don't feel me on this. But if you don't respond the right way, you go down the wrong path, pain can make you bitter, right? Well, JL, that just sounds cute. You're just trying to be trite. No, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. Pain and tough times will either make you better or bitter. Let me give you an example. You get an offense, and what should you do with that offense? You can go talk to the person. You can take somebody else with you and talk to them. But at the end of the day, You forgive. Right? That pain will make you better. But if you choose not to forgive, you're like, nah, I want I want them to suffer like I've suffered. But telling you right now, you're gonna get bitter. A root of judgment, bitter. I mean, I tell you what, you don't say this with me right here, just say it. Let's declare it. I forgive. 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 Say it again with me one more time. I I forgive. Now put their put their name in the blank right now. Go ahead, just tell them I forgive them. Jo, you don't know what they did to me. How you tell me to forgive? I don't know what they did to you, but I can tell you what Jesus has done. He's forgiven us of every cruel wrong, you name it. His blood, your blood. We just sang it a while ago. <laughs> Nothing with the blood, right? You're forgiven. Forgive them, right? Let's try it again. Let me let's practice. One, two, three. On, on three, we're gonna say, I forgive. Here we go on three. One, two, three. I Amen. You with me? If you walk that way in these valleys, you're gonna get better. Amen. Amen. There's a story that Wayne Cordero told. He's a pastor out of Hawaii. And I'm just going to make it a JOV story, kind of JO version, because I just have to do that. Somebody say "Valley Valley of Attention. Let's say that you're the pilot of a jet, got your pilot license. And you're flying 33,000 feet up in this jet, man. You just cruise. It's a bluebird day. You're just soaring 33,000 feet. You're over the Rockies. You look down. And you're like, wow, that is so cool. Lakes and, man, you're just cruising. Those jets sound like butter. I mean, just humming like honey. Just, Whoa. And you're just cruising right along. I mean, it is wonderful. I mean, not even waters is tipped. it's just smooth, at, it's smooth sailing up there. 33,000 thousand feet until there's a mechanical failure. Before you know it, even though you're a great air pilot, you go into an absolute nose dive. Thirty-three thousand feet nose. I mean straight down. And you've got that wheel or what are they called? Are they called a wheel? Hayden, what are they called? A wheel? A yoke? You got that yoke and you're just pulling back on I hope it. I hope I got this right. You're, he's, like, he's a pipe. You're just pulling back on that. You're 25,000 feet and now you're 20,000 feet. You're like, oh, okay, this is not so bad. And now you're 15,000. Now you're at 10,000 feet. You're like, oh, Jesus. Now 5,000 feet. You're like, oh, God. And now you're at 1,000. You're pulling back everything. Get that. And all of a sudden, right before you crash into the trees, that jet nose picks up, and the belly of your jet goes right across the top of the trees. At that time, God has your undivided attention. Now, prayed the prayer of an effective righteousness. You have now prayed on adultery. God has heard your true heart, He knows your true colors. The valley of attention. Valley two, the valley of preparation. Say that with me, the valley of preparation. (laughs) Maybe, just maybe, God knows something about your future that you don't. Maybe, let me preach on this side of here. Maybe, just maybe, God knows. The one who knew you in your mother's womb, the one who made you before he knew you, before your mother's womb, the one who was there when you were wonderfully created in your mother's womb, the one who has ordained you and put a destiny on, maybe, maybe baby, <laughs> he knows a little bit about your future that you don't know about, and he's got to get you ready for your future. You're like, oh, I'm just good. I'm just, I'm, God is all good. I'm just good the way that I am. You don't know. You don't know what he planned. He, you don't know what you might need for the future. You see, Joseph had an amazing mountaintop dream. He had a dream that 11 stars was going to bow to him, the sun, and the moon. What an amazing dream. That was his brothers, his mom, and his dad. He was young and kind of cocky and so forth. forth. He had no idea. Before that mountaintop dream was ever going to come to fruition, he had no idea the valley of preparation that he would ever go through. He didn't know about the valley of the pit. He didn't know about the valley that his brother's going to yank him out of the pit. Oh, you're going to save me? No, we're going to now sell you into slavery. He had no idea in slavery that a crazy woman was going to accuse him. He had no idea that he was going to now be in the pit of a prison. He had no No idea that in that prison he was gonna be forgotten. And I want to let you know God was with him the whole time. No, you need to read the story. The favor of the favor of God, Jail, the favor of God was on Joseph the entire time. God never left Joseph. God was getting Joseph ready for the future. Joseph was going to go be the governor of Egypt, a foreign land. God was going to use him to save lots of people. And one day, his brothers came, and guess what they did? After many years, 17 to I think 23 years, somewhere there, those brothers came and bowed. You know what what Joseph said? What you meant for evil, God meant for good you don't know what you don't know you don't know what god has in store for you and wondering why you're in this valley of preparation why you're going through hell on earth you don't know what god what god has in store for you david was anointed king as a young man very young man probably 14 i don't know 15 years old but you know what before he actually walked out that and was in the role of the king, he went through many valleys. He ran for his life from Saul. Saul threw spears at him. He found himself in crags and wilderness and you name it. Why? Somebody say, preparation. God was getting him prepared. Listen to me, church. You need to fill me today. God was preparing him for the future. Moses on the backside of a desert for 40 years. Why? Somebody say preparation. Preparing him to be the greatest deliverer of all time. Jonah! Jonah, I want you to go preach to Nineveh. Which way is Nineveh? That way? Okay, I'm going this way. I need me a ticket. Give me a ticket. Give me a ticket on that boat right there. I'm I'm not going to know. He gets a ticket on the boat. Oh, you're talking about a storm. They throw him overboard. He finds himself in a valley, a belly valley, seaweed wrapped around his ears, sushi that you don't want to eat. He's in the belly of a fish for three days. Guess what he does? Like the dude that almost, you know, airplane across the top of the trees, guess what Guess what he does for three days? He prays. Can you tell me you're going to pray a real prayer in the belly of a fish? And he prays, and God hears his prayer, and that fish kind of, you know, spits him out on the dirt, and God said, hey, 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 I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach. You know what Jonah does? Which, just tell me where it's at. Where's where's Nineveh? I'm going to go preach. He brings revival to a city, but there was a period of preparation. There was a valley of preparation that Jonah had to go through. He gets you ready for your future. You don't know what your destiny, the hand of God, what he has for you in the future. You may just need a little more than you've got. Under the hood right now. Listen to the scripture. Colossians 1:12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified. Say that word when we qualify. I think about that word. I think about drag stripping race car. Qualified us. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light, He qualifies you. He makes you ready. He reboots you. He recharges you. You can call it whatever you want to call it. Let's just say that I looked up this morning on the internet and just looked up Toyota pickup truck. How many horsepower is in a Toyota? How many car people we have out there, motorheads and that kind of stuff? Just raise your hand. Just put it up real high. Motorheads, kind of car people. Got a few. I hope everybody else can just bear witness with me. Here we go. Toyota, I looked it up. It's got 142 to 190 horsepower. 142 to 190 horsepower. Okay? My 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 nephew right back there Jake just wave at me, Jake. Jake has a is it a Mustang? He has a Mustang that has 600 horsepower. Well, you look at it. It looks it's bad looking. It's bad looking, but it's even badder. Is that a word? It's even badder when you start it and you stand beside it and you hear it. It's like bad, (laughs) bad to the bone. So let's just say that you got your grandma's car. Let's just make it equal. Your grandma's Chevrolet, it's got 200 horsepower. It's a four-door, nothing fancy about it, pure stock. But you know what? You need to take grandma's car to the drag strip. And you know that grandma's car is not going to do all that at the drag strip. So you need to get grandma's car ready. So you take grandma's car to the shop. You pull the motor out you pull out the pistons. It's got eight pistons. You take those pistons out and you take the bore out. You take those piston sleeves and you bore. Listen to this. You bore out those sleeves. Those sleeves get bigger and you throw in bigger pistons and Bigger piston rings, and you throw a big old smacking cam in there, and all of a sudden you got a cam on there. You start putting it back together, all high performance, and then you put a high-rise intake on top and throw a big old four-barrel holly carburetor. Hey, why we got it apart? I'm gonna throw some headers on the side and aftermarket exhaust. Hey, I'm gonna throw a turbocharger on this baby, and I'm gonna have nitro in the back seat. <laughs> Granny's car, it goes from 200 horsepower to 550 horsepower. But you don't know it, nobody knows it, because it still looks like Granny's car. <laughs> Until you start it. Until I stomp it, and it lifts the front wheels off the ground why it's laying rubber out, and it smokes everything at the quarter-mile track. <laughs> Jay, why you tell that whole story? Because granny's car needed more than it had. You might need more than you got right now under the hood than you have it. You might need to be bored out a bit with some new pistons and a high-rise in, high intake and a cam throat inside of you so that God will increase his anointing on your life so that you can go and do what God has called you and I to do. You don't know what you don't know because God wants to get you prepared. He wants to make you armed and dangerous. He wants to make you a lethal weapon against the kingdom of darkness. But you're good. I'm good, J.O. I'm just good for where I'm at. Well, good ain't good enough. God wants to take you from good to great, and he needs to go into the hood. Now, what you can do is you can run from the mechanic. I'm not going to let God get back on my hand right now. I'm good with my cam, God. Or you can surrender to the potter's touch, and you can say, Lord, dismantle me. I got body parts laying all over the place, but I can trust you because you're going to put me back together. And man, when I'm put back together, I'm going to be transformed on the inside. My heart's going to be healed. My mind's going to be whole. My soul is going to be restored and I'm going to be a lethal weapon. I'm going to be able to do what you want me to do. I'm going to go to the mountains, God. I'm going to be able to go where you want me to do if it's on the mission field or if it's in the business office. But he might know about your future a little bit more than you. You know why? Because you're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you do right now. You're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you do right now. You're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you do right now. You're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you do right now. Now, he might just know something about your future that you don't. Look at your neighbor right now and look at him right straight in her eyes with great conviction to say he's getting you ready <laughs> Getting grandma's car ready Let me land this thing Can you give me a f- just a few more minutes I'm going a little long y'all forgive me. Thank you. Hallelujah Here we go. Let me land it What does both of these scriptures have in common as You pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping. As you pass through the valley of Baca, listen to the next scripture. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What do those both verses have in common? Everyone say through. Man, we love to get stuck in the valley, just paralyzed in fear, paralyzed in doubt. What's happened to me? God says, come on. Go through the valley. There's a sign in your valley right now that says, keep going. It says, do not stop. Keep going. God wants you to walk through. I tell you the Father says this one, pass through, walk through, don't stop, don't get stuck. "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Here's your promise. Here's your, you ready for the promise? For you are with me. Don't never forget that promise. For you are with me. No matter what valley, no matter what mountain.